What's up, everybody? I'm Dave Kitchen. <laughs> Welcome to the Swolecast. Just got back from the Planet Fitness. Got some buys, some tries in today. Feeling good. Swung by the Dairy Queen. Got one of those animal cookie blizzards. Super underrated. We got a great show for you today. Guest late round QB. JJ, thanks for joining us, my man. Thanks for having me, Kitchen. I appreciate it. Yeah, this is great. Let's go around the horn. We got Mr. Tuttle 05 looking to break his word count record on the show of 100 today. Are we going to do it, Mr. Tuttle 05? No. No. Okay. And over no. to Davis Maddock, the man that looks like he just walked off the golf course and is probably now eight tabling something on an illegal poker site. How we doing, Davis? But never play illegal poker. I'm on global poker, right? Where where all you have to do is is change your American dollars into sweeps coins, and it's totally legit, <laughs> Pete. I, I I resent the implication that I would break the law. Okay, I can't be kitchen forever. It's exhausting. Um, <laughs> JJ, what made you agree to come onto this show? That's the question we all want to know. I don't know. And the thing that I realized after like you asked me and then uh, the tweet went out earlier today that I would be replacing kitchen. I realized that I'm like kitchen's handcuff. Like, yeah. like yeah. What? I'm the, I'm the Darrington Evans to, to kitchens be, being Derek Henry. And that makes me feel even worse. So I don't even know. I don't know why I did this. And you know, See, the implication is it, that hosts don't matter and they're completely replaceable. Uh, I think your production is going to be right on par with Kitchen. So. I, I think the better analogy here is that you're Dion Lewis in a Matt LaFleur offense getting and or Kitchens, Dion Lewis in a Matt LaFleur offense getting way too much time on air. <laughs> and then we finally get somebody that can come in. Put the team on its back. There we go. Yeah, I, yeah, I, was, I think you're I was Derek thinking Henry. more Tony Pollard, where the backup is clearly more talented than the overweight starter. Okay, that's, that's just fair. that was the direction this. I was going there. Wait, does it. this does this mean Tuttle's like uh, two years ago? Chris Hogan, he's just out here getting wind sprints <laughs> and exercise. That's all I do. <laughs> he he ru- he just runs those fly routes and then he gets back to the line of scrimmage. And I'm getting paid to do it, so I'm happy. <laughs> so JJ the big talk on fantasy Twitter uh right now for some reason or at least it was yesterday was the San Francisco 49ers backfield uh you said you didn't want to argue about it but it seems like you ended up having to argue about it all day yeah that's what happens when you when you tweet about anything these days uh really like I so I'm, I'm going through my projections and Raheem Mostert doesn't look bad in my projections uh he comes out at like RB20 RB22 something like that um, but the problem is, you know, looking at the path to upside for a guy like Mostert, who down the stretch last year was averaging fewer than two targets per game. You know, last season, he only had two games where he had a 10% target share or better. Um, and then you, you look at his ADP and where he's being drafted. I understand where he's being drafted in comparison to other running backs. I just have a hard time drafting him over some of the wide receivers he's going over uh, and being drafted ahead of. So that that's really my take is that, you know, if we look at what happened in the playoffs, of course, he blew up in the NFC Championship game uh, and he's, he was used heavily in the Super Bowl. Um, but that first game against the Vikings, the, the divisional round, Tevin Coleman was the starter. Tevin Coleman was the guy who was seeing Raheem Mostert had like 29 percent of the running back rushes. Uh, and then Coleman gets hurt. He has a shoulder injury during the NFC Championship game. And that's when we see Raheem Mostert blow up. And to me, it's just hard to buy into a, spl- a clear split backfield or what looks to be like a split backfield a guy who's not going to see a ton of receiving work, and he's 28 years old. Uh, and there were people that were responding to my tweet saying, A young man's want, David I, Johnson. I, I, yeah, yeah. I want this young, up-and-coming running back. No, guys, he's 28. He's older than Tevin Coleman. So 
Uh, to me, the, the, the better value is Coleman out of the two. Now, Davis, you were also in the fray with this argument, battling with some former high stakes champs. Uh, where do you stand on this issue? I mean, Mostert's upside, like even if he hits it, it's like all touchdown related. Like it's, you're not, you're like, Marie Mostert's not going to go out there and catch four passes a game. Four passes, like four receptions a game, by the way, might lead the 49ers in receptions per game if things go the way they want it to. So I just, I'm not really interested in Mostert at all. I'm, I'm, I, I, uh, you got to avoid running backs from the running back dead zone. Uh, patented uh, Rotoviz uh, and Ben Gretsch strategy. Just noting, like you, uh, you really should not be taking dudes there. Yeah, and doesn't it feel in general this? It's kind of like the old uh, Patriots running back principle, where you just take the cheapest one cheapest in drafts because mm-hmm. we don't know. Uh, Tuttle, do you have a San Francisco running back you like? I mean, there's some deep names. There's a rookie. We got former Jarek McKinney. You could go the man's Kyle Juszczyk route. I mean, anything's on the table here. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I thought you buried the lead here a little, Pete, and didn't mention that Jarek McKinnon's in the best shape of his life. He's healthy, bro. According according to a simple Google News search, the uh, the uh, 49ers <laughs> trainer has declared Jarek McKinnon in the best you, shape of his life. Do you think we have any viewers that aren't even old enough to remember what yes. Jarek McKinnon's profile looked like? Oh, bring up the player 100%. profile. <laughs> People Devin, people yes. don't remember that he used to be in Minnesota like he was the nut like they don't remember the Matt Asiata, Jarek McKinnon backfield split. Oh, they don't the they're Asiata. not old enough to remember. Gosh, that was the most and people also forget Jarek McKinnon played quarterback in college. I don't know if it's they true. remember that. I believe him and Brito were teammates in college, right? They both went to Georgia Georgia Southern and, and McKinnon was the quarterback. Okay. Yeah. I, I think I think played. that's true. I could one of them could have went to Georgia State though. I mean, when your best comparable on player profile is LaDainian Tomlinson. It's a pretty good comp. It's a decent comp. Um, JJ, the one name that I have seen, like when I was, I did a post about it yesterday and people kept saying the name Jamichael Hasty to me. Yeah. Is there is there any validity to this being a good dart throw or is this just random conjecture? I mean, I, I I think that the main reason it would be a good dart throw is just situation based more than anything else, uh, because we've seen we've seen guys come from nowhere with with Kyle Shanahan in the past and, and be fantasy relevant in some way. I mean, I've I've thrown darts and just like picked them up in free agency and some dynasty leagues where he's out there. Um, but my like my model that I use for running back and wide receiver uh, hates hasty. He's like a 23rd percentile prospect. Yeah, because um, you don't plug spark score in. Yeah, I mean, he but even like his, his but even his like. His speed score sucks. It's more his like burst that's that's strong, which is honestly what you would want in that Shanahan offense. It's sort of like the mo- like the reason that Mostert works is because they just need that like one cut athletic running back who can just be thrown in there, and that's what they've found found success with historically. Which is why Jarek McKinnon was pretty attractive uh, in that offense. You know, moving over there. Um, but yeah, Hasty's someone who you know, in like a dynasty league, he's, he's a, a nice, you know, flyer on your bench, but he's not someone that I would really target in like a best ball draft. He was trash in college, right? Yeah. He was not very, like, that's the thing. It, you know, my, my models were like really focused on college production and he just did not have that. Hey, just I just remember I'd play college DFS and be like, Nope, never, yeah, right. never, never taking to Michael hasty. So JJ, I feel like the question we always have to now check in on, uh, since things change so fast, where are you at, uh, maybe on a percentage of feeling good about us getting a full 16 game NFL season on schedule? Um, 
It's a good question. I'd probably put my, I'd probably put my, probably put it at like five to 10% in terms of a full 16 game. Wow. I, my, my fear more so is not the tail end of the season. It's the start. Uh, I, I, you know, like I, I do, I do think, I do think that of all sports leagues, the NFL is going to figure it out best because of money and because of, of how greedy they are too. Um, I think that they'll, they'll figure we're, that we're out. We're going to get scab players, bro. We're, we're, but, we're, we're, yeah, getting, right. we're getting replacement players. They're going to have to get uh, Bo Levi Mitchell from uh, the, from the CFL to come down and play. The other, the other thing, too, is that, like, think about the mentality of that league and the players who play in that league. I mean, you have to be some sort of type of person slash athlete to be playing in the NFL in the first place. I mean, it's a violent game, and that's, you know, not, not to compare what they do on the field to, to coronavirus because obviously one is contagious and the other one is not. Uh, but I, I think that it's just a, a different type of, of league in the way that they think about these kinds of things too. Um, so I, I'm more worried though on the front end, given what's going on across the country right now, you know, and, and what could happen in July and August. It still seems like there's so much confusion across the NFL for various franchises, knowing what the, you know, the standardized practices that they're supposed to abide by are going to be. You've already heard John Harbaugh talking about like, well, there's no way we could realistically do this. I think it's going to be such a mess just from that standpoint of being like, oh, who's at a competitive advantage? So, so are the, the are the head coaches that uh, all vote Republican? Is there is there an edge? Because they're just going to be like, look, dude, we're practicing. We're getting our training camps in. It doesn't matter. But speaking wow, of... Speaking of coaches, though, too, like the thing that I feel like everyone is just completely ignoring is that everyone's saying everyone's worried about the health of players. It's the health of the staff. All the coaches are old. Yeah. All, all the coaches are part of the demographic that's been hit hardest by coronavirus. Like, I, I'm, I'm more frightened for the Andy Reeds of the world than I so, am. For so the, the Rams have an edge because Sean McVay lifts every day. And he's 35 and in great shape. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So Kyle, Tuttle, the 49ers, I, I, too. I got to give Tuttle credit. Yesterday, we all got the scare with PGA. The PGA coming out after guys test positive and saying we're holding a major announcement hours before, you know, the tournament's supposed to kick off. Tuttle went on the record. He said it's still going to happen. He proved to be correct. So as the COVID sports forecaster, you know, Oracle, where are you, Tuttle, on on NFL chances of a full 16-game season? Man, I, I haven't put thought into a full 16. Um yeah, I don't know. I'm actually more interested in the angle shooting you could provide. So if if you're with JJ here and you're thinking it's going to be a shortened season to some extent, there's got to be some angles shoot you can shoot in in uh, season long well, drafts. Zero, that are happening zero right RB now, right? zero RB is extremely ultra mega dead. If it's a ten game season, it's like literally you should start your draft with four uh, decrepit running backs and just build from there for sure. No, no, no. I'm not going to allow that slander because you can spin that either way. You could say the starting running backs are all going to get COVID and then you're going to be, you know, getting uh, scabs off the street that are going to be the perfect zero RB candidate. So I, I booked a bet for the NFL season to play 16 games yesterday with one of the Daily Roto subscribers, three to one. So my $50 to win $150. And I feel like, I feel like that bet favors me as opposed to favoring like i think three to one is fair odds for a 16 game nfl season it would be weird if you made a bet that you didn't feel favored you well i sometimes <laughs> sometimes i get back sometimes i get backed into a quarter and i just end up taking there was act there's actually I, an all-time one with that. tuttle yes. never there, there's an all-time one with tuttle where 
it, I think it was about like is Jabari Parker starting or something and like there was already the fantasy labs tweet like he's in the starting lineup and I was like no total he isn't and we booked it and I was wrong immediately so you also end up going in the complete opposite direction that your take was before a moment in time like the Clyde Edwards Alaire stuff you you went from like Damien, 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 CEH gets drafted and everyone, everyone has like a, a moderate take on CEH and you're like RB1. We got we the can't RB1. Afford, we, can't, we can't afford any moderacy in these, in these, <laughs> right. in these uncertain times, JJ. It's just right. not allowed. That is always the funniest thing when you see the back and forth, you know, people arguing and you can tell it's like headed toward a bet. And it's like these two competing forces where it's like trying to get a plus EV bet, but also trying to stay logically consistent. And those two things wrestle so hard and to get those to align up uh, right. rarely happens. Right. So My whole life. Speaking of, pl- <laughs> speaking of plus EV bets, and if you think there's going to be going to be a shortened season, I had to do something with this on RG yesterday with the, with baseball season being announced. It's easier to do with baseball because the variance is just insane anyways yeah. with baseball. You can get a, a pitcher that goes on a hot streak or something, but I haven't looked. If you're, if you're looking at season long, uh, bets for or future bets for like MVP things like that. Take shots on on underdogs or long shots yeah. like that's gonna a shorten Daniel season. Jones. Yeah, any any sort of sh- shortened season is gonna increase the variance and it's gonna make those long shots plus EV bets in the long term. Yeah, like Drew Locke. <laughs> I mean, Little over like it, like someone who can go out there and play a high variance style for eight games, nine games, ten games. I mean, in baseball. Uh, some of the books have just pulled like divisional odds and stuff off because in right. 60 games, like the Tigers could theoretically go on like a 13 game win streak or something like just totally randomly and win the AL central. So in baseball, they're, they're just like taking futures out of the market entirely. Well, like the nationals wouldn't have made the playoffs last year right. in, in a 60 game season. And it's interesting with, for ba- we'll, we'll get back to football. Baseball is interesting in the sense that like pitchers, you're only going to have 12 starts max for a starting pitcher so if, if they do offer some sort of Cy Young award just take take chances on some long shots but even in like football we, we see we see these like random eight game snippets like Derrick Henry last yep. year is a perfect example we're uh, like you are the soccer Dave on this yeah. show no, 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 <laughs> well, I gotta I gotta represent Nashville in some way yeah. uh so like Derrick Henry last year I mean we, we all understand the running back value argument right uh but last season you know that perception i mean we know that mvp is about perception more than than reality a lot of times yeah it's totally narrative based and, and it's going to skew it's going to skew towards quarterbacks but in a situation where last year like last year we see derrick henry do what he did and we know how people took that and and how they they said it's the derrick henry offense has nothing to do with ryan Tannehill's extreme efficiency but from that standpoint all of a sudden you could have had realistically a, a running back you know in that short sample a running back end up being mvp which we'd never see yeah. So I feel like we haven't actually had a, a lot of actionable NFL news. Normally we're starting to get all these, you know, at least training camp, you know, snippets and all of this. JJ, has there been anything that has made you uh, hashtag copyright adjust your ranks at all? Or has things uh, remain pretty flat for you? I haven't really done much in, in terms of adjusting. I mean, I the, like... I'll I'll have different rankings like month to month, let's say. So like we'll publish it on Fandle's social media accounts and whatnot, and people will trash them. And then the next month I'll have uh, diff- different rankings in, in some way. It's not like I'm getting more information in terms of like what coaches are saying. I'm just doing a little bit more research or someone's discovering 
something interesting about a player and maybe I'll shift the guy up and down a little bit. But right now, um, it's hard for me to buy into some stuff. Like the like we've seen like the 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 Rojo versus Keyshawn Vaughn stuff flip back and forth with a lot of people buying more into into Rojo after uh, different articles on like Pewter Report and and different Bucks blogs. Um, but stuff the way like he that. just said Pewter Report was so dismissive of it was SB such Nation a pejorative. I yeah. love it. Uh, it was like report. Bleacher Report. I love look, it. Look, I love I love all the people at Pewter Report. Uh, <laughs> But, but like, like realistically, that kind of stuff doesn't really move the needle that dramatically for me. Uh, like, you know, there, there's, there's, there, there's information before the draft, for instance. I'm just making this about Keyshawn Vaughn because I, I always like talking about Keyshawn Vaughn. I think he's, he's an interesting guy. Legit, uh, legit or a bit Keyshawn Vaughn? I think he's legit. I, 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 think he, I think he's legit from the standpoint of he's the right type of bet to make in fantasy football drafts. Uh, I actually like him more in redraft leagues than I do in dynasty leagues too. But I think that's totally rational. But but like the like pre-draft back in February, Bruce Arians comes out and he has this long quote talking about wanting a three-down back who can catch passes, um, and, and clearly just like trashing Ronald, like just subtweeting Ronald Jones essentially, right? And so uh, what do they do? They go out in the third round, they draft Keyshawn Vaughn, and and that's that's decent draft capital. People have said. They were they were in a pinch. They were in a bind during the draft, and they reached for for Keyshawn Vaughn when they actually had like a fourth or fifth round grade on him. I, I mean, I, we don't know that to be factual, and I don't really care. They still spent a third round pick to get Vaughn, so he's going to get some sort of shot. Um, and then just given all the information that we we know about Bruce Arians and wanting to to get that pass catching back, Ronald Jones hasn't been able to catch passes ever. Uh, and so to me, that just makes Vaughn a pretty obvious bet where he's being drafted. If he doesn't pan out, it doesn't really matter because the opportunity cost isn't that high. This is, a, this is a Ronald Jones show. It is, but JJ or, uh, Davis, I was going to say I appreciate this because what JJ was hinting at is true. It was like Ronald Jones had become cool again as a, as a pick in circles. I like his more underdog, you know, you know, against the world status. So we need JJ to continue pushing this Vaughn narrative. So Rojo is cheaper. Yeah. We need the, we need the thought leaders to create that ADP separation between <laughs> but, the two of them. I like, in, I like to go ahead. No, no. I, I want to talk. I want to know what you love about Ronald Jones. Like what is it that, that makes you excited about Ronald Jones? Uh, he's the only Buccaneer, uh, the only, the only running back in their backfield last season who had uh, above, like, fantasy points per expectation, he was above as sure. opposed to below. He's younger than Keyshawn Vaughn. Yeah. I and, like, like, basically, I think my take would be Keyshawn Vaughn is extremely just a dude, and I don't think running backs matter, but coaches do, and Brady does for sure. Like, Brady is going to get frustrated if Keyshawn Vaughn is um, just, like, Rex Burkheading his way around when like he knows that Ronald Jones is like the more explosive player. I, I, yeah, I agree. I agree with that take. Keyshawn Vaughn's like a, a, a jack of all trades, master of none type of back. And that's yeah, not really, yeah, yeah, for sure. that's not, that's not really what you look for per se and, and running or wide receivers. You want guys who like do their job really well. It's very rare to get a guy who can do a lot of different things, but at the same time, like we, we know that pass catching is so vital to running backs hitting a ceiling. Right. And to me, to me, that baseline is absolutely there. I mean, Keyshawn Vaughn had the third highest final season reception share in this class. I mean, he was a, someone who was seeing a, a work work as a receiver. He can do that. A lot of uh, a film guys would, would tout Keyshawn Vaughn as someone who can catch passes out of the backfield well. 
Ronald Jones hasn't been able to do – he's still body catches. I mean, the guy – He's, there he's, was that quote about like the coaches being like, we can't understand why he uses his hands in such an unnatural way yeah. trying to catch the ball. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I just like, I, I think Ronald Jones is a great and electric between the tackles runner. And he's probably better than Keyshawn Vaughn at doing that. But I don't know if that's what the coaching staff is valuing and they shouldn't. Value. I mean, that's, that's yeah. A, I mean, that doesn't matter that much. Yeah. That's a replaceable asset. Uh, so to me, that's, that's really what I'm looking at now. Now that Vaughn is being drafted after Ronald Jones a lot. Um, I, I just am, am gobbling up more and more. Cause yeah, again, I like it. I like it less. I liked Ronald Jones in like the ninth round a lot better. That made a lot more sense. I agree with you there. Yeah. Huddle. You seem to me like more of a Dare and Gubawale guy as a guy that <laughs> there'd be like a Monday night showdown. And you would have like 150 of Dare just going all in JD McKissick lock button style. Man, is he? He, is he, he was have a badger a role? though. What? What? Yeah. What's his role going to be? Is he going to still be the the third down guy? I mean, if, are, he, here's the it. thing: if he has a role, Keyshawn and Ronald Jones are both dead. Like they're they're yeah, both yeah. They, they they're just totally dust for fantasy. You don't, because you don't like three backfield or three RB backfields. Three three RB backfield with a forty eight year old quarterback who like could just dust off at any moment, you know. Um, I'm gonna check in on the YouTube chat. Diesel Legend uh, says, "Do you guys check this chat during the show? There are literally all caps dozens of us. They were feeling neglected." Jim Gibbs says, "More actual football talk in fifteen minutes than the last ten episodes with Kitchen combined." <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact. Yeah, um, well, you know. I, I always felt like I was guilty for taking the swole cast away from from uh, you know football talk, but I think we figured out the variable here. It's it's really Kitchen who derails it. Uh, yeah, I mean obviously. Um, all right, let's talk some Scott Fishbowl. The chatter is heating up. Avatars are being made. Profit is being made. <laughs> Profit is being made. <laughs> JJ, uh, do you have a Teespring site you're launching for your own SFB wear coming out soon that you'd like to announce now? Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to profit as much as possible off of <laughs> off of this charity. Yeah. Um, but have you? Are you going to do your own uh, Scott Fishbowl ranks? Do you get that deep into the weeds with it? So here's my, t- you know, Davis actually asked me for the late round podcast mailbag this week. I didn't answer it, Davis. I'm sorry. I already recorded the episode. <laughs> I try to avoid Davis questions, but I, I, I always <laughs> try. I always try and ask you one. Cause I know in the past when I've put stuff out there, like sometimes you'll randomly get like 15 good questions. And then sometimes yeah. literally no one will ask you anything interesting this week. This week was very much like very basic and dumb. Not, I shouldn't say dumb. I don't want to talk down to <laughs> people. Very basic and like boring questions or questions that are like, 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 I mean, my podcasts are like 15 to 20 minutes each. Right. And like, so answering some of those questions would have been like an entire podcast. It's like, no, nah, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Uh, but Davis asked me a question of like what my take was on like SFB strategy or something like that. Like if it. Yeah. Just like basic strategy relative to a 12 team yeah. PPR. League. And so, and so my, my take, of course, like I'm a huge strategy nerd with fantasy. Like that's what I basically do most of. Right. Um, but I think in a situation like SFB, uh, it matters a lot less because the teams there, there's an extreme amount of variance. Number one, uh, like once, once you're in the playoffs, uh, you know, you're going to, you obviously just need guys to hit in certain weeks, but the, the, there's a, a lot of, of variance just in general, um, throughout given given the amount of teams that are in there and it's not like your player pool like in dfs you can build off of anything so to me it's it's very much like 
you have to be fortunate to draft some of the right players. And, and, and you draft so many guys that like, you'll probably get two good guys to pick up off the waiver wire all year. And you'll have to spend all your fab on them. Yeah. And, and like, like to me, to me, I, 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 cannot stand when people say just draft the right players and it'll be fine because we all know that strategy is there to in order to increase your probability of hitting on those players right and you can say that to a degree with sfb one thing i will say with the scoring the scoring's fun there's no doubt about that but the scoring also is just not very predictive right the, the way that it's set up whether it's a you're now you're losing points for a pick six which is relatively random uh first downs aren't very sticky year over year like there's obviously it correlates to like volume and stuff but there's just stuff like that where, where the scoring is fun, it's entertaining, it gets people uh, interested in, in strategizing in different ways. And I, I'm not saying don't strategize. I just think that in a situation, in a, in a league like this, um, it's very much going to come down to, did you hit on the league winners? D- did that happen? And So, and yeah, for there. sure. Would you say then I should be drafting for upside uh, in this draft? I would draft for upside. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would draft for upside. <laughs> okay. Pete, I, I have a question for you. So, so you and I, we both pick at four. I think with there's Shane a very, Battier. with Shane Battier, NBA champion. Um, I think there's like a, a very, very good chance that we have to decide if we want to take Lamar there or not. And, you know, there, there's some very clear regression stuff with Lamar. So like, obviously he is not going to throw for, um, you know, nine, uh, what, what was it? Um, 9.6% of his passes last season turned into touchdowns. And, you know, there again is some risk that they just choose not to run him as often. So, you know, that's, um, that's, you know, not particularly great stuff, uh, just as, as like thinking of how he can access his ceiling or you, would you feel skittish at all about taking Lamar at four in this format? So, uh, I don't think I would. I do think, you know, my personal preference would obviously be to get McCaffrey or Barkley. Uh, oh, I, there. I would prefer Mahomes, I think, in this really? format. Yeah. So, Rod- uh, Rotoviz put out their SFB uh, projections, and Lamar Jackson is at the top uh, with Mahomes just a little bit behind. It's actually a ton of quarterbacks as far as raw points. Breeze is up there because of the – there's completes Vegas. like 75% of his passes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, but to answer your question, no, I wouldn't have a problem taking Lamar Jackson there. Uh, also, I, I, because, and I'm sure uh, Mr. Late Round QB agrees, uh, I'm not going to have any shares of Lamar in almost any leagues this year. Right. So to actually maybe get, have an opportunity to, right. ju- to draft him without a ton of opportunity cost is, is kind of attractive to me. Yeah, I, I, that makes sense. I'm, I'm drafting at the 102, and I'm, I'm basically like just getting either CMC or Barkley, like whoever – whatever's there but i think that's right like the the other thing with like leagues like this is that every every draft is completely different obviously for sure um and that that really you have to really read the room and i'm I'm, i almost slightly regret being closer to an end and not being more in the middle only because it's a lot easier to be reactive when you're drafting at like you know four to to eight or nine rather than being you know one or two or, or 11 and 12 um four was clearly the gto spot to request because it wasn't going to get overloaded and you weren't going to get stuck with anyone bad yeah i mean it's it's definitely a good spot i i i I do think though like like strategically i'm more so looking at and and i'll be honest like my like i'm probably like a 500 team with sfb like historically it's not like my teams have been like unbelievable which probably 
probably shows that no one should be listening to me right now and what I'm saying about strategy and stuff. Um, but I, I do think that like looking at ADP, cause there's a lot of mock drafts that are going on and stuff. I'm yeah. mostly going to be more concerned about looking at ADP and knowing where like tiers are, are being drafted and stuff because a lot of the drafts that I'm seeing wide receivers dropping even further than you would so expect. So far. Yeah. And so you, like you can get like Tyler Lockett in like the eighth round and it's like, okay, there's no reason for me then to get Julio Jones in the second round or something when I know that I can get that kind of value late because obviously the, the point advantage is being stretched across more rounds, making that early round wide receiver pick less valuable. Tuttle, are you dra- Are you in Scott Fishbowl? Oh, no. Okay. He's not, he's um, not in the th- cool thanks kids Thanks for club. asking. Yeah, no, I just, I wasn't sure what your draft slot was. If you Tuttle, Tuttle for sure has never applied for it either. Oh, zero shot. <laughs> this is what, this is Drew, <laughs> Drew Dinkmeyer has like every year he's been like, he's never done it. Cause he's never applied. He just was, he, and yeah. this is his first year doing it. And he won't tell us if he applied or if Scott invited him. I like to think he applied. Cause yeah, he's the opposite of Davis out. applying for the blue check mark. We, uh, JJ, we have a question in the chat. Someone, uh, R Einstein, he wants a target in rounds 10 plus. He needs those late flyers, please. His family is starving. JJ, give him an SFBX sleeper so they can eat. SFBX sleeper. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, well, I mean, the 10th round is still going to be filled with like, like basically like eighth rounders, right? And in like a typical league, yeah. I, I still so like the the research that I've done, especially this off season, has has really confirmed that you're not going to be able to get league winning wide receivers late in drafts. It's just it's not it's not what happens. Uh, it's not to say that going robust RB can't work, but I do think that a lot of the stuff that like Rotoviz has come out with on win rate and and, and uh, lineup structures and construction. Um, and, and what it shows with the, the wide receiver position and teams going wide receiver heavy do well in terms of win rate. I do think that all of that makes a lot of sense from what I've, I've researched and stuff. So I would lean more running back if I'm looking for like a league winner late, right? Um, and that's, that's what we've seen is more running backs. They're usually not handcuffs either. So I'm not like going to tout like a Darrington Evans or something like that. Someone who would step in with, or Tony Pollard, someone who would step in with an injury. Um, I mean, I, I think I, I'm, I'm gonna. It's gonna be fun to say this. So I'm just. I'm gonna say Duke Johnson. Oh, I like it. Make yeah. the case. Make the Duke case. So, so the Duke case is typically what we've seen from uh, breakout running backs historically, or guys who have far exceeded their ADP that have been drafted after round five. Uh, they've been pass catchers. They've been in ambiguous backfields. They're not typically handcuffs. Um, and, and age usually isn't that big of a deal for for the running back position. It's a much bigger deal at wide receiver. Um, and so for, for Duke, you obviously, you have somewhat of an ambiguous backfield because David Johnson's being drafted in the fourth, fifth, whatever. Um, so he's not, you know, he, he's not a handcuff as a result of that either. And obviously Duke is a pass catcher and there's a lot of question marks around who's going to be catching passes for Houston anyway this year. Um, and then how consistent those guys are going to be on the field. So I, I don't think Duke is going to be someone who's like, you know, an, an RB1, RB2 this season, but I think that he's someone who you can easily pinpoint and say, He's going to exceed value. I think Tariq Cohen is kind of in the same boat where, I mean, the dude is coming off probably the quietest 100 plus target season in NFL history last year. Um, and and he's he not... can just run hot on efficiency because he does get targeted down the field. 2018, right. he ran mega hot on efficiency, right. uh, had like a 70 yard touchdown, a couple other really long passes, and he just literally had none of those last year, but they could easily return. 
Exactly. So I, I really, I, I like, those are the guys that can, that at least will at, at a baseline, if they're healthy, be able to exceed ADP expectation. Um, but there's more upside than people realize with those kinds of players. Um, and then wide receiver, I'm going to stick with the bears. I really like Anthony Miller as a third year breakout. This year. Agreed. Well, kind of on that line of thought, you've been doing your uh, late round uh, podcast series on breakout candidates Tell us where you get your ideas, JJ. <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, I actually, I just D- DM Denny Carter and he just feeds me. Feeds me <laughs> I've, I've heard about this thread that you're in with Reeves and Thorman and, and how you guys just kind of all funnel uh, Denny's takes into your work is basically how it's it goes. true. It's true. Yeah. yeah. Den- Denny's the mastermind. He's, he sort of is the, the, uh, the guy who just runs the fantasy football industry, especially fantasy <laughs> Twitter, just in the background. Yeah. There just undercover. Go. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. What are some of your more interesting findings that you found uh, through that process? Yeah. So, you know, I did it on running backs, wide receivers and tight ends. I'm not going to do a quarterback one because I started looking at the data and I just couldn't find anything. There's just nothing. <laughs> It's, I'm not going to like try to like put something together that doesn't make sense uh, and, and doesn't have like really strong findings. So no quarterback one. Usually you have an outlier season for quarterbacks that end up really exceeding ADP anyway. Um, but with, with wide receivers, uh, usually they were young. So what I did was I looked at, uh, and this goes for all three of those positions, I looked at uh, the the AD, overall ADP for every player since 2011 versus the amount of points that they that those guys scored, and then I charted that and found a trend line. Anyone above that trend line was exceeding ADP. Anyone below it was was not. Um, and I looked at guys who far exceeded ADP and, and deemed them the breakout guys, the guys who were drafted after round five and exceeded ADP by 100 or more points in that season. Um, and then I looked at that subset and I said, what do these guys have in common? Uh, at the wide receiver position, what, what I found was interesting. Uh, is that usually a lot of these wide receivers had fairly high target shares the, the season before they broke out. Um, and, and by, by fairly high, I mean like, like 16 to 17%. So it wasn't, it wasn't like these guys were, you know, uh, bottom of the barrel, third or fourth string wide receivers on their team the year prior. Uh, it's that they were good. And, and, and volume, obviously, and targets are, are an indicator that someone's good. Uh, but they were good one year and then they just blew up the next. So guys like Deontay Johnson make a lot of sense this year. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, I, you know, Michael Hardman's kind of interesting, but didn't have the volume last year. So I'm not as on him as a result of that. And obviously Sammy's in the way a little bit there. Um, so that was one thing that was interesting with the wide receiver position. They're also usually young. Um, so go for those second year guys, especially more than the third year guys. Okay, um, this- I want to I want to throw out some I want to throw out all the rookies who were disappointing last year and I want you guys to tell me if you think okay. that uh that they can break out this year. Okay. So the the first one is is obvious it's in Keel Harry, first round draft pick, only played in 7 games, 24 targets, 2 touchdowns. Pete can and Keel Harry break out. I'm I'm a big Nikhil Harry uh truther and again, what like JJ mentioned when we when we see these breakouts at wide receiver, they're traditionally second year breakouts. They have good pedigree. He, yeah. Did he not, he didn't check the, uh, the huge volume thing, but yeah. there's also a lot of change going on in that offense. Um, and he didn't play a ton last year because of injury. So in that case, I think we want to fall back on the college profile in the draft capital. And you look around there and it's like, other than Edelman, who's going to command targets consistently in that offense. So I'm, I'm definitely on Nikhil Harry. No one wants to draft him. You can get him super cheap. 
Okay. Andy Isabella, JJ. Um, my answer is no, even though I loved Isabella coming out. Uh, like, like truth or status, Andy Isabella. Like, uh, probabilities working against them. Usually guys who didn't have, like, a significant injury, which is why, like, Nikhil Harry or, like, Paris Campbell, you can make the argument for because they were banged up last year. Andy Isabella just couldn't find the field. I understand when he did, he was really efficient. Um, but guys during their rookie year, if they were relatively productive, that's a good sign. Guys who weren't, it's not that great of a sign. You know, like Daryl Henderson. There's there's some D- Damian Harris. Like there's there's something going on there. Something going they, on. If they didn't produce their rookie year, you know, so, I, I think I think you know obviously like cost matters. Like I don't think Daryl Henderson's like a bad pick this year just because of cost. But you know the the probability of them actually panning out is not as great as people would think. So my this is my working theory as an Isabella truther. He played at the University of Massachusetts and weighed like, what, 180 pounds probably? Maybe he just needed a year to like get in an NFL building, like learn about how football takes place when it's being done like a professional. Because like, let's be honest, you know, guys who are playing in the SEC, guys who are playing in the Big 12, they're getting basically the same level of training, nutrition and everything as NFL players are. I don't think it's that way for the University of Massachusetts Minutemen. So that's my my take is that he just literally was not ready to play in the NFL, but he might be ready now. Yeah, my other take with, so like I input draft capital into my models and we all look at draft capital. Like if a guy goes in the second round versus the fourth, of course we're going to favor the guy that goes in the second round. The problem is it only takes one team for that draft capital to be really inflated. And my fear with Isabella is that he would have been a fourth rounder if not for the Cardinals. If not like, for the Cardinals. Like the Cardinals just loved him. And then they drafted them way too high. And that, that's my fear with Isabella too. Tuttle, okay. Mikkel Hardman and Andy Isabella, is there a specific format of fantasy you prefer them in? <laughs> yeah, I think I would go with best ball on that one. Yeah, I tend all, to agree. All in, all in in best ball, all out in weekly management. <laughs> my, my only Andy Isabella take is that for somebody that can run so fast, he, he kind of looks weird. He, he's got a weird gait for sure. Because, he does. I think it's because he's so short too, which yeah. kind of makes it, it's so weird to foot, see him with all those pads bro. on. But we had that one play last year where he went for like 90 yards and it just. Yeah. It, the, it, against the 49ers and we yeah. so definitely, definitely a pants off moment there. I, I like Tuttle saying he's not going to have any season long takes unbeknownst to us. He's been grinding Andy Isabella film here. on the <laughs> well, You didn't let me get my Nikhil Harry take in. And then, oh yeah, let's get it. I was just going to say an, an upgrade at QB should help. So, that's all I was going to say. Okay, Miles Boykin. They don't have they don't have the third tight end anymore. They're likely going to and and I I think their plan would be to play uh Chris what was his name? Chris Moore and Willie Sneed. The the plan has got to be to play those guys way less. Yeah, I mean I'm I passed to JJ on that one. Boy Boy <laughs> I I thought Boykin was a little bit over overrated coming in cuz he was not that big not of a, a market share guy. Yeah, not a big producer, but had the athleticism. So people are going to get excited about that. Draft capital is not out of this world great for him. Um, and I, I like I to me, Devin Duvernay has a better outlook this season than than Miles Boykin. Devin does. Devin Duvernay truthers, they abound. Yeah. It's like yes. it's like a very weird niche of football Twitter, but like people, there are <laughs> Devin Duvernay people out there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, JJ, so you are uh, an on-the-record Yinzer Steeler apologist. I feel like their position groups have been kind of uh, responsible some, for some debate in fantasy within the wide receiver cohort with Deontay Johnson, maybe James Washington's getting forgotten, and then also the backfield. Uh, we got someone in the chat 
screaming for you to say McFarland is going to be a running back breakout. Uh, who are your two favorite Steelers, uh, one wide receiver and one running back, since you got lots of options to choose from? That's a good question. I, I still think James Conner is actually at a decent value right now because we know the upsides there and we know that he can be a top five guy. Um, the injury concerns are certainly there. And I, I do worry that McFarland's going to end up being uh, stealing more work through the air than we than we would want him to. Um, but McFarland, realistically, like, I, I don't think this is that hot of a take, but he could easily be the most talented running back on that team. It's not like James Conner's just like out of this world great running back. Um, so... McFarland's I don't think he's a terrible terrible dart throw I think like SFB is actually an interesting format to to take a guy like McFarland in case in case he becomes something more significant than we think but I would I would lean James Conner as as a just better value right now and then I I, I am part of the Deontay Johnson truther club um I I know Davis is not it's disgusting I don't think <laughs> I don't think it's out of out of the question that Deontay Johnson could outscore Juju this year. It's literally um, against my moral code to even entertain this. But I, but I do think Juju is the. What was my? What, what odds did I put it at? Remember I think we you talking? said plus four hundred for Johnson to straight up yeah. outscore. Yeah, I think that seems fair. about right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. Um, but like Deontay Johnson, you know, people uh, people look at his like profile in college, and his final season wasn't that great. Uh, the season before that was way better. But then he also had that, like, the kick return juice, which is always something that you look for uh, in, in these guys who who maybe didn't, you know, Meikle Hardman is a similar way, where, like, they didn't look great from a production profile standpoint, but they had that that additional piece to their game that shows that they're athletic and they're good and they're, their teams want them on the field. Um, but Deontay Johnson, man, I mean, this is a, a rookie class that was out of this world good last year. And right. Deontay Johnson led that class with a, a clown show at quarterback in receptions. Uh, that, I mean, that, that speaks volumes, I think, to, to how good he might end up being. I think it's good for Juju, though, too. So I'm going to go Deontay Johnson and James Conner. Okay. And I know you said you weren't going to do a, a pod deep dive. Or Actually, I need to say DD. I've been following some of these new day traders in the market, and uh, I couldn't tell at first if they were saying they were doing their due diligence or a deep dive. I think it's deep dive, guys. Have you guys seen this, DD? I have not. Okay. Yeah. If you want to start shilling a stock, you need to let people know that you did a DD on it first. That way they know it's, it's legit. Yeah. Then they you got to get them in. We got to get Davis's stock tip of the day. Yeah. Is it I'm KTOV? Buying it. I'm, not buying, I'm not buying anything right now, dude. It's, it's so it's not, terrifying out there. It's not pretty out there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sorry, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. So you're not doing a, a, a QBDD, but uh, do you have a personal favorite? I think we're all trying to chase. Can we hit on a Mahomes, a Lamar Jackson, you know, after the ninth or 10th round? You are Mr. LRQB. Who, who do you think? We, we know that those guys are outliers. It's probably not going to happen yeah, again. But who yeah. do you think could be the closest version of that this year? I think there are three guys that you would want to target late who have – the rushing juice that we look for, you know, the, the markets become really efficient. This is part of the reason why I think like you could realistically go middle round QB now because middle round is now like Dude, I'm, I'm team. I'm team middle round QB and like all these, um, like we're, were you in the, the action? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I'm like seventh round. I'm like, Oh, I'm just taking Dak or Kyler or Deshaun, whoever. Is yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cause this is the first year I can remember where the, the markets become efficient and we're also seeing finally, these rushing quarterbacks be able to be really efficient through the air too. So those guys are clearly giving you that edge up until probably to Josh Allen. I, I draw the like, line. Like those guys are, are beating QB 12 on a weekly basis by enough for it to matter. 
Right, right. And they're doing it like they're doing it. Their, their arms are better than these other quarterbacks were historically. Yeah, it's we've not seen like, like Tebow or Terrell Pryor. Or or even like Cam Newton, right? Where like Cam Newton's How best season you. in fantasy, his best season in fantasy was the crazy touchdown rate MVP season. Uh, but like he didn't do that very consistently. So I think there's three guys that are kind of intriguing who have the rushing juice and maybe they they get lucky through the air. One of them, um, since I am filling in for soccer, Dave, I'm going to go with, with Ryan oh. Tannehill. For one oh, of them. you have gone full soccer, oh, no. Dave. Uh, He's so- full heel. My my Titans, uh, I, I I need to 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 give Tannehill some love. I mean, look, Tannehill was a the the QB three after becoming starter last year for Tennessee. He's going to regress, but he is his his ranking right now and his ADP is like QB nineteen. Um, and it's it's kind of odd. Like five years ago, we would have seen Ryan Tannehill be like QB seven in ADP for he eighth round. Lock it up, yeah, yeah. right? Like where right, Baker but, went last year, exactly. But people are recognizing. People are recognizing uh, regression. They understand regression, and it's going to hit for Tannehill. But you know what? We we know that Tannehill can can get it done with his legs. Uh, he's athletic. Um, did you guys know that Ryan Tannehill once played wide receiver? I don't know if you oh, guys wow. heard about that. Yeah, yeah pretty people wild. forget. Yeah, people pretty wild. Fins uh, up. So I think I think Tannehill is, is still intriguing. But two other guys, uh, I don't mind throwing darts at Joe Burrow. Um, also sneaky sneaky uh, rushing upside. And then Daniel Jones, just given what he did last year. Yeah, Dan- not- Daniel Jones, to me, seems like the guy who could throw up a QB4 season, um, just like, and, and actually be a league winner. Yeah. I mean, and you've got, you've got weapons there for, for Daniel Jones. So you have weapons for, for Cincinnati as well, which is, I, I think Burrow is, is going a bit overlooked. I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up as a QB1. Yeah, there is. It is weird that like last year, I was the guy overdrafting Kyler Murray, trying to chase that right. that Mahomes breakout. Little did I know it was Lamar Jackson going in the same round. Uh, just missed that one. Um, but it does seem like Burrow as an unknown kind of commodity in the NFL. Normally, people are more eager to take a shot on that kind of black box upside, but it, it doesn't seem like there's a ton of hype for him. I agree. I mean, like even Mahomes, the the year that he broke out, like I wasn't as high in Mahomes as I should have been for sure. Um, <clears throat> but even that was just like a like you just want to buy into that ambiguity. Like you just like I don't care what the downside is for these quarterbacks because we know they're replaceable. So to your point, I mean, why not? It just doesn't matter enough to to not buy into that. Well, I feel like this is the perfect transition to uh, the hit segment on the Swolecast. Legitter a bit. Um, I mean, you just said it right there. You might be trending toward middle round QB. So, legitter a bit, late round QB. It's a. It's always been a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I saw someone asking you, like, if you were going to update your ebook, and you're like, "No way, dude." <laughs> yeah, true. No one should be buying that ebook anyway. I think I tweeted last week how bad that thing is, man. Uh, but I mean, you can still go late round QB. I'm just noting that, like, if some of those middle round guys drop a little bit, they're they're kind of in prime position to be values. Yeah, yeah. and and I think you and you've said this before too. The whole the reason that you can also wait on QB is also the reason you can take shots on QB. Because it's replaceable. You can go to the waiver wire if you right. take a big swing on Daniel Jones and you miss, whatever. You're gonna be able to go plug and play whoever. Yeah, I mean, look, so when I wrote the ebook in like 2012, the QB twelve was being drafted in round eight. Okay. Today the the, the QB like six gets drafted in round eight. So right. if back then, if back then I was saying, Yeah, get a quarterback in round eight, that was what late was back then, right? 
And so yeah. like if, if the opportunity cost equation said, sure, it doesn't matter at that point in your draft, then why should it matter now? It shouldn't matter now. I mean, you should be able to get guys in the eighth or ninth round if you really feel like they have that like QB one upside, which I think this year, finally, we have guys in that area who, who do have that upside. Historically, middle round quarterbacks have been atrocious. They're, they're, do, you, they're, do you hate yourself for starting the process of ruining the market? No. I don't, I don't even, I mean, why, why would, no, I don't. But I, I also don't think I was like, I don't think that I like, st- I don't think that I. You, was, you literally wrote the book, dude. Yeah. But like it, it took enough. I mean, I, I spent, I spent countless hours and blood, sweat and tears arguing with people with. 40, yeah. Arguing with people followers. who were like, but I want to take Tony Romo in the sixth yeah. round. Guy, if you go back and look at my Twitter archives, like. I mean, I used to tweet just constantly in like 2014 about why people were dumb drafting guys. Yeah, me too. I'm so over that. What is your guys' weird? So like my biggest, uh, I would say, um, skeleton in my Twitter closet is back in 2009 when I got in it, I once got into a really long argument with Jameel Hill about Kobe Bryant versus LeBron James and she blocked me. <laughs> wow. Uh Bill Bill Barnwell has me blocked because I mocked his position that Odell Beckham um could win rookie of the year. <laughs> That's pretty good. Got unblocked. Never you never have, got unblocked. Do you ever do you ever find so like I love discovering when people have blocked me? Like having no idea that like they I love it even more so when it's just like this random accountant or something that just like must have just despised one of my takes that I'd never had talked to before. And that, that happens me. to me but, a lot. But but one of one of the best ones, I go and look, someone's like, oh, check out what Mark Ingram said. And I couldn't see it because he blocked me. And I, I still have no idea. I've never conversed with Mark Ingram on Twitter, but he has me blocked. You Tough you thing. started doing I love the uh you did the video recently uh for FanDuel where you respond to the mean comments to your yeah. rankings. What's the meanest comment you've gotten about one of your your uh rankings so far? I mean, a lot of it's just like, you know, like the FUs, you're an idiot kind of stuff. No, no one's like threatened my family fortunately that I had Tom Brady ranked as the QB8 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's usually like fortunately, I mean, I'll tell you what though, the worst people on this planet comment on fantasy football posts on Instagram my period that that's those are those are the counselors people it's 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 bad out there man it's rough okay I got I got a good one for us to end on here who is the Dante Pettis of like so obviously a terrible pick in the top 100 and only the worst people you know are are into making that pick he's just trying to squeeze this narrative in while soccer Dave's not here I, I know. I think I. I think I have mine. I want to look at a list of players so that I don't miss someone. Sorry. Say say the prompt again, Davis. I heard the Dante Pettis guy part. guy going in the top 100. Who everyone universally like 90 percent of people agree like this is so terrible. You should not be doing this. But the 10 percent are so persistent that the the ADP never switches and the guy just always are, goes. Are there. you focused on wide receiver here? It does. It doesn't matter. It, it could be. It could be either. Oh, okay. Okay, because I think wide receiver is pretty efficient. Yeah, I mean, my mine is Le'Veon Bell. Like, I I just see no, I see basically like no outs to him getting there. That that's I the see, one for me. I see more outs for him than Leonard Fournette. Both, yeah, I think I think I think both Leonard Fournette and uh, whoever I just said Le'Veon Bell. Both Le'Veon, of them. The, I'll I'll make an argument for Le'Veon Bell for you. The the not that I'm like actively trying to draft Le'Veon Bell. Adam Gase is a good coach, bro. The, Open your the, eyes. 
He's gonna see he's gonna see pretty crazy market share numbers in that backfield. The Jets only scored twenty five offensive touchdowns last year. Teams that generally do that have seen an increase get, get better of, of like yeah. five to ten touchdowns the following year. They beefed up the offensive line a little bit, so I can at least see like like the problem with like the Bells and the Fournettes of the world is it's really hard to see a path to them being like a top six running back in fantasy. They just would um, have to catch a hundred passes or just score every one yard touchdown. Yeah, like you need Leonard Fournette's 2019 season to happen for these guys, which it's it's hard to envision like an 18% target share, uh, especially for Four- Fournette could see that be cut in half this year. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll go with Fournette of those two, but I I think Bell's a pretty decent pick there. Tuttle, how many go. fantasy drafts have you done this off season? Over under one and a half. Let me count here. It's got to be under zero yeah <laughs> no, no no mock drafts no uh no best ball drafts dynasty startups for for mr tuttle 05 um tuttle was no. grinding league of legends when all of us were doing dynasty startups yeah i mean i'm writing league of legends content seven days a week now come on yeah get on my level jj did you get into the esports dfs at all no, like, so I wish that Overwatch was bigger, man, because I'm I'm all about some Overwatch. JJ grinds Overwatch. I do. I love Overwatch. It's so fun. Uh, so if, if if Overwatch becomes big, you guys you guys know who to go to. Do they have a good competitive scene? Yeah, it's not, it's not bad. I mean, I'm not like I'm I'm not super super into it from an east like from a from watching and stuff. But I play. I think all it the time. it seems like it would be harder to score though. It would be harder because it's so it's so so team oriented. Uh, yeah, it's not like a. And it's like it's like not a super kill based game because there's healers and stuff. Yeah, you have yeah. like you have roles and stuff. Yeah, it would be it would be a lot harder to to translate that to a DFS game for sure. JJ, did FanDuel try to ask you to do any uh, esports content for them? Like get get no, at any, it. Anytime, my my thing is anytime we have to cover something else, I bring someone who knows that stuff on to to do that stuff for me, so I can just focus on football. There you go. Stick yeah. JJ sticks to football. Yeah, man. Of course. Well, we appreciate you coming on. I would say uh, you hit all the soccer Dave notes perfectly. We got Ryan Tannehill. We got Derrick Henry in there. Even a Dante Pettis mention. I mean, I think you, you did it, man. Yeah, I mean, I got to go to the gym right now. I got to plan a fitness really quick to to get it in. But uh, I get, appreciate get you guys a, Get a good me. back and buy session. Um, obviously, yeah. don't wear a mask. And yeah, need uh, stop to, by Dairy Queen on the need way. To, need to absolutely take the selfie, put it on Twitter. Let everyone know. Yeah, There we go. You, you love to see it. All right, guys. This has been the Swole Cast every Thursday at noon Eastern for Mr. Tuttle 05, for Mr. Davis Maddock, for our guests, JJ Zacharyson. I am Soccer Dave, and this has been the Swole Cast. Thank you.